we want to be honest, if you want to go through the Leon Rose moves since he's got to town, there aren't many misses on there. If we're being completely honest, nobody on the roster on a max deal. People were up in arms about Brunson's hundred million. That looks like an absolute bargain at the moment. Listen, you get connected to players that are around the team. Of course, I myself personally really loved IQ Emmanuel quickly. I thought he's a great guard. I'm happy to see him get some more minutes and some starting time. But that fit with Brunson seemed like it was going to be tough. They weren't going to extend him. Tibbs didn't feel like it could work, so it was time to move on. They immediately uh, give the Deuce McBride the extension. I think he's going to be the the new quickly and play that same role off the bench. They got him for a very cheap deal, but the the trade has absolutely been lights out. They're back to playing defense. They're number one in defense over the five-game stretch since the trade happened. Number one in defensive rebounding since the trade happened. So they're back to their Tom Thibodeau roots playing defense first, that being the backbone. And then, of course, Julius and, and Brunson can handle the scoring side with a couple other buckets here and there from guys like OG and the rest of the gang. So it's very exciting time right now. The vibe is high at the Garden for sure. <laughs> vibe is definitely high. And OG Ananobi had a good score tonight too, Sean. I think that there's a, a misconception in the NBA, or maybe it used to be the case, and now it isn't anymore. And I want to get your thoughts because everybody is saying the Knicks just need to go out and get a star. Does this finally put them in the situation where they're attractive enough for a star to go? But what we're seeing is teams that – go after stars it doesn't usually work very well it's like to me the type of uh girls or guys that only want louis vuitton just because it says louis vuitton even if it's from canal (laughs) street even if it's like a terrible handbag like what do you think about the the knicks just moving with role players instead of going star hunting yeah, it depends what you want to see out of the Knicks if you're a Knicks fan. If you're cool with them competing as being a staple top three, four team in the East, then you can continue as is and keep rolling out this same roster. If you want them to potentially compete with the Celtics to win the East either this year or next year or the year following, then I believe they do need another big, big-time piece. Like, listen, guys. The NBA is not the NFL. We know that for fact. There's really only a few teams that actually have a real chance to win the NBA title. And if we look at the East, it's it's a few teams. Can the Knicks beat the Boston Celtics right now over seven? I don't think they can. I don't think they have enough. And I, and I am completely plugged in and love what the Knicks are doing right now. I just don't think they have enough. And I think a vast majority of people would agree with me on that. But if we're talking about com- competing for a title – think they're a little short, just like a lot of teams across the league are a little short. But Trista, you mentioned one of the key things for me. They make they have made themselves very, very attractive at the moment that, hey, we're going to play D. We got guys that play hard. We got guys that are going to rebound. And we're just missing one specific piece. That's also why I was just big on Donovan Mitchell working in Cleveland. I'm like, all they need is a bucket getter they go get one, they can really compete in the East. And it just hasn't worked out that way. Mobley, Allen, and the rest of the gang haven't developed into that dominant down-low force that a lot of people, including myself, thought. So it's interesting. If you're if you're a guy that just wants the Knicks to compete and actually be relevant, you could continue as is. If we're talking title, 
one more move, I believe, needs to happen before they can actually win the East. And now it looks like Toronto, Sean, is going to move on from Pascal Siakam, which is something that's been a long time coming on the other side of that trade. They've been flirting with Sacramento. Sacramento doesn't want to give them Keegan Murray. Shocker. Pascal Siakam is telling everyone he's going to test free agency. What do you think happens with Pascal? Yeah, it's a good question because similar to the, the, the conversation we just had about the Knicks, I've talked to a lot of Miami Heat guys and insiders, and it's like if we just had another piece, I think one of these conference finals, finals trips could have resulted in a title, right? They had they have the, the consummate role player type situation with elite coaching. Guys know what they're supposed to do. They know their role. They know their identity. And that still wasn't enough to get a title. Now, if we start talking about Pascal, he could be that missing piece for a team like Miami, for a team that's up there towards the top of the West or the East. It's I, I've, been just, I've been trying not to drive myself crazy on possible landing spots, especially for or for Pascal because this has been going on multiple years now. But he could definitely help and be a, a very versatile piece that could slide in to a lot of different situations and impact them a lot of, a lot of different ways. Sean, we're getting to that point now. We're starting to, like, it's more than just talk and rumors with trades. Like, teams are starting to get more serious as we get closer and closer to the deadline. And we kind of gotten a bigger sample size, and teams can look and say, like, oh, this is a major issue for us. Like, we've got enough there where teams are going to start to get more aggressive. Who are the teams that you look at? Miami, obviously, one of them, if you just mentioned that. Who are the teams that you see as, all right, they're going to be really pushing for something at the deadline here? Yeah, Miami's definitely one. I believe the Lakers is another one that seems like something has to get shaken up over there. And I believe really pay attention to a lot of what these superstars are saying, whether it be a quote, whether it be how they're acting on the bench, whether it be a post-game press conference. LeBron James just flat out saying, like, the way this roster is constructed currently, it's not going to get it done for us. And over the years, Giannis has said a lot of similar stuff out of Milwaukee. And very clearly said, hey, okay, Dame is now in town. We'll do the two-year thing. I'll give this a two-year type of experiment. And then I may be potentially trying to see myself in a different situation. So I do believe the Lakers are going to be active. I believe the Miami Heat are going to be active. I want Philly to be active the way Joel is playing. I think they could use some additional help as well. Those would be the top three, I would say. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Uh, I, I do want to get your thoughts on the Clippers because I feel like we're all wondering is this team for real uh, Kawhi's playing lights out he did get injured Paul George at the peak of his powers Harden looks like you know regular season Harden which is pretty good and the role players are playing well like do you trust the Clippers yet yeah I do you got listen man you gotta give James Harden you can't just hate on James Harden alright we know it's easy to hate on James Harden Regular season, James Harden. He likes to party. He has fun. And he gets to the playoffs. He doesn't show up. But, man, outside of that beginning stretch with the Clippers, when he first got to town and they were getting adjusted, they have been playing really, really well. And James Harden has been playing great basketball. And Kawhi and PG, for the most part, have been on the floor. I do trust them. I think they're a very solid squad across the board. You know, Trista, you know I'm a huge Norman Powell fan. I love Norm. I love Terrence. They have a lot of guys across the board that can impact, I do believe, in the Clippers in the West because Denver, depending on the night, 
when they feel like playing and get going, of course, they're up there with the best of them. But I, 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 they seem very streaky and spotty to me in a lot of situations. Golden State's obviously not in the mix. The Suns are not in the mix. That's a disaster at the moment. So, yeah, I truly believe in the Clippers in the West. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to look. We, uh, we've got all these teams at the top of the standings in the West. We were talking about this earlier, Sean. It's like Timberwolves, Thunder, Nuggets, teams that were all built through the draft, young talent. They, they groom those. It's almost like these super teams maybe don't work the way that we thought they would. But it's funny because we thought that the Grizzlies were going to be that team a couple of years ago. And then we've obviously seen all the issues, whether it's off the court or on the court with injuries with John Morant. So John Morant, that news kind of just like shocked the NBA yesterday that he's out for the season. Yeah. We now look at that draft where you got Zion going one, John Morant going two, both dealing with a lot of different injury issues, maybe some other stuff off the court, some little worse than others, uh, you know. But, like, it just feels like these were two names, two faces that were supposed to be the next faces of the league. Who are you more concerned about in terms of just injuries and the future there? Like, I, I feel like I still lean Zion just because of the weight and it just – but at the same time, the way John Morant plays – it kind of be reckless and he crashes to the court and he gets hurt like this. Like both of them. I just, I have a lot of concerns about just what their future can be given all this stuff. Zion Williams for me, and it's not close. John Morant showed clearly he couldn't wait to get on the floor. And when he got on the floor, he was incredibly impactful when he was playing. The labrum is a, is a difficult injury. As, as we know, we, it was, it's a really hard to even pinpoint where the Morant injury happened. It was over a couple games. Then in practice, he was stretching and ends up popping out. Then they go and get an MRI. It's confirming it's a labrum. So I am not concerned about John Morant when he plays. He goes to the cup. He does play uh, a tougher a tougher game. He's on the floor a lot. But the reason he wasn't on the floor more than not is not because of injury. It's because of the off-the-court incident, and we know what happened, right? So when he's on the floor – he plays ball and is extremely impactful and the Grizzlies look like an actual basketball team again and I feel bad for job because you could tell how clear it was clear that he was so happy to be back on the court focused on ball and playing ball with his guys and now he has to go back out on an injury he's going to miss the rest of the year big mental grind for John Morant so I hope 12 grinds it out and gets back but the Zion Williamson stuff goes back multiple years now even back to the the, the draft when there was reports coming out where he never wanted to go to New Orleans. It wasn't he, that's not a place he wanted to play ball. Then he gets there. He's dealing with the weight, the off the court stuff with his family, and that stuff leaking in, in into the sphere, into the internet. And we had the thing where they asked Zion if uh, he was going to come back and play last year, and he was saying Zion. When Zion feels like Zion, Zion will come back and play. So there's a lot of different stuff going on with Williamson. Clearly, when he's on the court, he's a big problem, but he's not in shape like he should be. And um, I have a, I, I trust, how about this? I trust John Moran a lot more when he's on the floor than I do when Zion Williamson's on the floor. We can't have you on, Sean, without talking about the Chicago Bulls. I need to know, I have a theory that when Zach Levine is on the floor, he's obviously quite skilled. He's a good player, but that he's always been so good technically and skill skill wise that each individual possession is meaningless to him and so that spreads like not cancer in a toxic cultural way but like a basketball carrying cancer because when he's on the floor they just really struggle to win games and since he's been injured I know he came back last night but they were on fire 
Why do you think they won so much without him? Yeah, there was a stretch where they were 10 and 6 over 16 without him. To be completely honest, I've heard some reports. I've talked to a couple people deep down. I believe there's there's tons of stuff going on with him versus Billy Donovan. That relationship isn't the healthiest. And on the court, he's just tough to play with. And it reflects on the body language of the other players. It reflects with a lot of different things that you see on a night-to-night basis in a possession-by-possession type of thing. I also think an outlier, too, early on that kind of eroded the overall situation was Zach Levine was there to be the man. Let's go. Let's rewind a little bit. Zach Levine got to Chicago and wanted to prove to everyone that he could be the man on the team. He does that. He proves that. He goes to the All-Star game. He becomes an All-Star. Then DeRozan comes to town, and DeRozan is just an overall more clutch, better player down the stretch in the fourth quarter. And there was headbutting about that. I feel like I should be closing the game. I feel like I should be closing the fourth. DeMar DeRozan was the guy that was doing that and was doing it very well for the Bulls over a stretch. I think Levine, between some of the teammates, DeRozan or not, I don't know the exact details on that, so I can't speak on it. But the overall relationship with some of his teammates and the coach is what eroded that situation entirely. And the ball doesn't stick anymore or hasn't over that stretch when he went out. Kobe White was playing really well. The ball moved around. When he wasn't on the floor and Zach was on the floor, the ball stuck and the offense wasn't there, and that's why they struggled. It feels like we've been talking about Sean Levine, or uh, I mean, Zach Levine in like a trade for trade rumors for like two years at this point now. Sean Little, great to talk to you again, man. Thanks for coming on with us. Nick, appreciate it. Trista, I'll talk to you guys soon. Taking Sean Levine, a co-host of us sometimes, and Sean Little and Zach <laughs> Levine. It must must be 10-15 on the East Coast. Pet MGM tonight. <laughs> <laughs>